This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to say, but apparently the Secret Service decided that there was no reason to pursue the mystery of the cocaine in the West Wing of the White House. And, you know, if they were the least bit concerned, federal law enforcement, the Department of Justice, we're the least bit concerned about how the American people are really suspect that there are two tiers or two uh, different tracks of justice in this country. They probably would have reconsidered concluding their investigation into the bag of cocaine found at the White House, to which they apparently cannot identify a suspect, although they had no problem tracking down some 70-year-old grandmother from Indiana who just happened to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. You know, they had a full-court press. They had a full-court press uh, to find something wrong with Donald Trump and his family members, spent just literally uh, billion, millions of dollars investigating a president and his family. And so when you, when you think about the audacity of saying that uh, some small amount of white powder found in the White House, you know, is just going to be dropped, the investigation is going to be dropped, I find that so absolutely ridiculous. If this were the Trump White House or the Bush White House, do you really think They'd be dragging up the old rumors that George W., you know, did cocaine when he was young. Never mind, you know, if the president actually had a child that was on the record, wrote a memoir about his use of cocaine and has been under investigation on and off, uh, you know, for the last bunch of years. And now whose family is implicated in all kinds of scandals. You'd think that uh, perhaps they wouldn't... Uh, just so quickly end their investigation. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you have to be conscious of how it appears to the people. This is a government by the people. So when we hear this, we are really sure that the Department of Justice has two different systems of justice, one for conservatives and then one for, you know, uh, their, their peeps you know, the, the, the left. It's, it's literally beyond grotesque. And, and I don't know how long um, they'll get away with it, but it seems to have been going on far too long. So I, I don't know what the Republicans are going to do about this, but, 
you know, if they do nothing, then they are gutless, and we should primary every sitting House member who doesn't, uh, you know, bring something to the floor regarding this duplicitous Department of Justice. You know, and, and they shouldn't need to hear it from radio personalities or even their own constituents. They should know that. I mean, if I can't trust the Secret Service, I already know I can't trust the FBI. Christopher Ray sat there yesterday and lied. You know, there's no question in my mind that he lied. And he was confronted repeatedly by members of Congress. Even a Democrat member confronted him. But it didn't amount to anything. And now the whistleblower, the IRS whistleblower, or actually it was an FBI whistleblower, Steve Friend, said that it was a, an absolute lie when the FBI director told the judiciary that special agents did not conduct surveillance of school boards. He lied. The Joint Terrorism Task Force in the office of the whistleblower did it. And he testified about that in May in front of a congressional committee. What Ray specifically said during his testimony yesterday to Congress was this, the FBI is not in the business of investigating or policing speech at school board meetings or anywhere else for that matter, and we're not going to start now. The problem is that we have testimony from Stephen Friend that is exactly the opposite. Back on May 18th, when Matt Getz said, have you ever been to a school board meeting? He said, yes, I have. Has the FBI ever sent you to the parking lot of a school board meeting? Yes, they have. And in the parking lot of a school board meeting where the FBI sent you, were you taking down information regarding people's license plates? That's correct. It wasn't the first time you'd been to a school board meeting, was it? No, I went on my own as a private citizen. As a parent, yes. So there you were, taking down the information of parents attending school board meetings on behalf of the FBI, and you'd been one of those parents at a school board meeting. How did that feel? After I attended privately, my colleagues teased me that they were probably going to start investigating me. What happened to the FBI who went after people who were, you know, spreading child pornography around or, or sexually exploiting children? Instead, they're taking down the license plates of parents at school board meetings and, and condemning the movie Sound of Freedom and saying, oh, QAnon and all this other nonsense. Who's lying and who's telling the truth here? And how do we ascertain? Well, I can tell you one thing. Christopher Ray is a serial liar. He's lied before, and he's a disgrace to the FBI. He's, he's, he's one of these... James Comey liars. You know, they believe their own lies. And it's not the only lie that he's ever told. He said that once to um, Congressman Troy Nels that no agents were reassigned from child exploitation investigations to domestic terrorism. That's a lie. That's a lie. Friend said, I was reassigned from a child pornography case and told those cases were going to be considered a local matter. So he was on uh, with Jesse Waters last night. 
And he said he hopes the Republicans hold Christopher Wray accountable. They should hold him in contempt is what they should do. Christopher Wray doesn't believe they're going to do that, though. That's why he, he, he's saying the things he's saying. I can't comment on any ongoing investigation. Uh, I can't reveal sources and methods or, or, or the new one uh, that he broke out yesterday where he said objective evidence was brought of FBI malfeasance and he will say, oh, we just don't do that. Very disappointing. Very, very disappointing. I, 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 you know, I, now I can't trust the Department of Justice in its entirety, not the uh, judiciary. Now the story comes out. There's been a full court press against the, um, the conservative justices, right? Oh, God, look what Donald Trump has done. We have all these conservative justices, and we cannot abide by these rulings. And, and, and oh, look, Clarence Thomas once had a friend who was a Republican donor. Oh, my gosh, we need an investigation. We need to get him out of there. And then we find out this week that, uh, you know, one of theirs, uh, the liberal, the Hispanic female that was supposedly the Supreme Court justice could no way uh, afford to be without a Hispanic female to represent uh, the viewpoints of all of us Hispanic uh, females, except that she doesn't represent the viewpoints of Hispanic females like me, nor does she care to, nor does she even want to listen to us. So meanwhile, we find out that she's become extremely wealthy since she got on the Supreme Court. Now that job pays like $250,000 a year. And okay, so how did she become a uh, multimillionaire on that kind of salary? I mean, she must be a heck of an, inv an investor, right? In 2008, she had assets totaling about somewhere between $15,000 and $65,000. The following year, when she was nominated and confirmed, same amount of money. Since then, her net worth has skyrocketed, putting her among the ranks of the nation's millionaires. In last year, investments were roughly the same, in between $1.6 million and $6.6 .6 million. Now, as a federal appellate court judge, she made about 180 grand. She got another 25 grand from teaching at law schools in New York. So her salary went up several thousands of dollars when she became a Supreme Court justice, right? The highest, the high court members make um, $285,400, except for the chief justice who earns just a little under 300,000. So, okay, she's writing books. Well, you make a lot of money when you write books. Well, especially if when you write those books, you use taxpayer funds to uh, pressure public institutions to commit to buying a certain number of copies or making them uh, request that attendees buy copies when she speaks. And by the way, she did not recuse herself from cases that appeared before the Supreme Court that involved Random House, despite the fact that she earned a lot of money from her book deal with Random House. 
uh, Justice Sotomayor is a good person who appears to have made a mistake by having her staff sell her books, including what appears as pressure on schools and libraries to buy a minimum number of her books before her speaking engagements. She acknowledges she made a mistake by failing to recuse from several cases involving her book publisher. The Supreme Court has adequate mechanisms in place to deal with these mistakes, and the Supreme Court has already taken corrective measures. Okay. You know, when Neil Gorsuch didn't recuse himself from a case involving Random House, I heard endlessly about it. But Sotomayor didn't come up until this week. And she's not alone in making great money from buying books. You know, Justice Amy Coney Barrett got a $2 million advance for a book she hadn't even written yet. This gives me cause to concern, all right? I'm, I'm concerned about the books. You know, they have a right to do these things. Nobody's questioning their right. But these enormous amounts of money exchanging hands with companies that may very well stand in front of the Supreme Court in a case should concern everybody, you know? Now, there are all kinds of, you know, rules. You can't receive royalties for writing a book on bank regulations, but you could if you wrote a book on collecting stamps. Like, I don't know why those kinds of... Uh, you know, rules exist. I really don't. But now we have a judiciary, the Supreme Court, that you have heroes for different political factions in our country that have fan clubs on the left and on the right. And those are the people who are going to be buying their books. And that creates an enormous temptation to stay in that lane. Because if your opinion goes against your group, there go your book sales. This is not good. Investment's the same thing. This is not good. Justices should not be invested in individual stocks because it prevents it presents big problems. You have to recuse yourself if a case involves a company. And, you know, when you go to sell the stock, it makes a problem for the stock. Book deals, investments, all this stuff. You know, this is what happens when they went after Justice Thomas. You see... Everybody's books get looked into. You know, you if you're going to attack Justice Thomas for, you know, trips that he or Justice Alito for connections that he have to Republican donors, then you have to hold the, the liberal ones to the same standard. Now, of course, what I'm finding out, what you're finding out, is there's two different, you know, lanes. If you're a conservative, there's one lane about ethics and and rules, and if you're a liberal Democrat, there's another lane. That's not how this country was, that's not the predicate for this country. This makes me sick to my stomach, and it should make you sick to your stomach as well. It doesn't matter whether a justice is liberal or conservative if they're just determining uh, the 
constitutionality of cases that are presented in front of them. I shouldn't be getting opinions like we saw last week, even if it was a minority dissenting opinion from Kintanji uh, Brown Jackson telling me that, uh, you know, there's still all this racism in the country. And if you don't uh, have affirmative action at the colleges, then black people aren't going to get to go to college. It's so demeaning. It really is. It's so insulting. You know, to someone like my husband and to someone uh, like so many people I know, like uh, Congressman Byron Donalds that I heard speak on Monday, it's insulting to say that without affirmative action, these people could never go to college. What? I mean, let's get serious about this. That's what's sitting on the Supreme Court. People that are so partisan, and I'm sure the the left would say, "Well, you got Clarence Thomas there, and he, uh, you know, he his conservative viewpoints don't always reflect everybody in the country." No, they don't. But for goodness' sake, he he at least makes a constitutional argument. Katanji Jackson Brown didn't make a constitutional argument. No, no. Instead, she said, "Oh, it's not right," and the NAACP jumped right on it and started fundraising. Can't make this stuff up. You really can't. Ethics? What are they? Christopher Ray? Is that an example of Department of Justice ethics? Ugh, a pox on both houses. All right, let me uh, remind you to get the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can participate in all our contests and you can hear my show whenever you want to because starting on Monday, I'll be live at 3 p.m. And if you are, you know, if you think you can whine and complain to me, forget it because I'm just going to tell you get the app or listen online uh, to the podcast. But, uh, it is what it is. I'm happy about it, and you should be happy for me too. All right, let me take a break. I'll be right back. Well, you know, there is no question in my mind that uh, they have done a terrible job at the Department of Justice and now in the, you know, the judiciary of restoring any kind of confidence from the American people, and that is a terrible, terrible situation. You know, I was thinking recently, I, I never got around to sharing some of the uh, insane oversight earmark reports that I got from Open the Books. And it's grotesque when you look at over 7,500 earmarks amounting to $16 billion in taxpayer costs. And, you know, and then you want to know why we don't trust government anymore? Why we're so polarized in this country? Well, let me just give you the bare, the bare facts, okay? Here's some of the things that we have spent money on, your tax dollars on, because it's not just the uh, law enforcement department of justice. No, no. This is Congress. Congress has to be held accountable for this stuff. Congress literally went nuts. They gave a million dollars to a macadamia nut health initiative or intuitive, whatever that means. The funding was to support research to combat and control the felted macadamia nut, cassid, to improve the production of this iconic Hawaiian crop. The macadamia nut is the 87th most lucrative agriculture product in America, ranked right next to mink pelts. Furthermore, Hawaii is not an agriculture state. It produces one one-hundredth of one percent of agriculture products. Oh, but that pales, you know, thank you, Senator Brian Schatz, Democrat from Hawaii. 
But that pales in significance next to what Senator Roy Blunt from Missouri, Democrat from Missouri, was able to get. University of Missouri received $30 million. Well, actually, they received $61 million and then another $30 million. The university's board of curators decided in 2021 to name their newest building after Senator Blunt. Then in 2022, he earmarked them $61 million. Hmm. In his last legislative action before retirement, he earmarked $61 million into a building at the University of Missouri that's named after him. And then $30 million into a building at Missouri State, his alma mater, that's also named after him. Hmm. From the University of Missouri website, it says Next Gen Precision Health Initiative for Construction and Instruments at the Roy Blunt Next Gen Precision Health Building and to support research in biomolecular, computational, and engineering disciplines in veterinary and human medicine. The university doesn't need taxpayer help. It has a $2.2 billion endowment fund. Oh, my goodness. So the total haul for the Missouri State Roy Blunt Hall ended up at $80 million. Yeah. You, you can't make this stuff up. And nobody, nobody cares. That's what's so amazing. I get these numbers, I'll say them to you, and you know it'll go in one ear and out the other. But it's not just that. How about the National Great Blacks in Wax Museum? $2 million, courtesy of Kwesi Mufumi, the Democrat from Maryland. He audaciously earmarked $2 million to the National Great Blacks Wax Museum in Baltimore, which happens to be located in his district, but is also the maker of, you guessed it, the Kwesi Mufumi wax figure. Within the halls of the museum, sources say the Mufami figure stands tall among such giants as Thurgood Marshall, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and Rosa Parks. Did you even know, did anybody in my audience know there was a uh, National Black Wax Museum? Like, shouldn't we just have one wax museum? Shouldn't it include people of all races? Well, of course it should. Republicans are not innocent. How about the University of Alabama and the University of Vermont that received, thanks to Senator Richard Shelby from Alabama, Republican, and Senator Pat Leahy, Democrat from Vermont, their respective alma maters, when they were retiring, they shamelessly earmarked $50 million for Alabama and $30 million for Vermont. Of course, what are those schools soon going to house? Well, their very own personal Senate archives. In Shelby's case, the University of Alabama will not only be home to the archives, hmm, but interestingly enough, it's also his alma mater. It's disgusting. It's all disgusting. And, and, and it just goes on while we're busy looking at the shiny thing, right? They have us looking everywhere except at the books. So when Open the Books does an oversight report like this, 
you should be stunned. I know I am. I would keep reading, but, you know, I, I'm sure that you're all in favor of giving $5 million to the Universal Hip Hop Museum or the Cary Film Furnace or the Memorial Park Splash Pad or the Metro Nashville chutzpah. These guys have chutzpah to put these earmarks in these bills and we better get to a place where we finally have presidents who are willing to strike these out, line item vetoes, and get rid of all these earmarks. This is nonsense. How about earmarks to institutions where congressmen and senators' spouses work to the tune of six and a half million dollars? It's insane. Mike Thompson, Pete Aguilar, Jason Crow, Tim Kaine, they move grants totaling tons of money to the schools where their wives either work as professors or interim presidents or whatever. It's just, it's just mind-boggling. But hey, listen, that's why you listen to this show and that's why you listen to talk radio in general because you won't hear these stories on the mainstream media. No, 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 no. This is a secret. Don't tell anybody that they're using your money to fund research into macadamia nut production. Because Lord knows, everybody in America wants to do that, right? How about nobody in America wants to do that, except like 11 macadamia farmers in Hawaii. All right, let me take a break. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to, you know, just go crazy watching how they exploit us uh, in Congress and they exploit us in the judiciary and they exploit us in the Department of Justice. But I did want to send everybody to the OpenTheBooks.com website. It is an important organization. They do great work. I am a... Uh, you know, a donor, full disclosure, because I think what they do is so important. But you should go to the website, openthebooks.com, and look at the uh, oversight report about earmarks. And they give you their methodology. They tell you how they put this together. And I just think it's important. You need to be educated. You need to know what's going on, because ignorance is, uh, ignorance is dangerous, as you can see. While you're looking at the shiny thing, you know, in the, in the right hand, um, they're manipulating and abusing the taxpayer in the left hand. And I, I, I've had enough. I've had enough of it all. Corruption uh, at all these high levels needs to be exposed. So, you know, Camelot, it ain't. 
that was the headline from page six in the New York Post. Apparently, there was a complete shouting match, uh, two old guys at a dinner uh, where I guess the media was invited in for Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s presidential campaign, and I've never heard of anything going this far sideways. The um, shouting match was over climate change. It broke out between two old guys, and um, one of the guests asked Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is the founder of the ecological organization Waterkeeper Alliance, or maybe the guest is the founder, I don't know, but, you know, Robert F. Kennedy's part of the, the you know, the ecological, environmental, and all the rest of those movements. His whole family's always been in that. Anyway, so the question was asked, and all of a sudden, this drunk guy, who is a gossip columnist, um, or maybe he used to be, I don't know, he was the host of the event, Doug DeShirt is his name, got enraged and screamed at the top of his lungs, the climate hoax. Meanwhile, some 80-year-old art critic who appeared to have been sleeping happily for most of the dinner got woken up by the rumpus, and he opened up his eyes and denounced his longtime pal, calling him a miserable blob. Shut up. And the two of them just started screaming back and forth. I wasn't sleeping. I was just thinking. And he says he's the one who asked the question about the environment. And then they just continued to scream wildly about the climate change scam. And Hayden Guest peppered him with all these, you know, verbal volleys from across the table, calling him, I can't use the word insane, effing insane, and insignificant. Okay. And then he decided he needed more to underscore his point this the shirt guy so he let rip a loud prolonged fart while yelling as if to underscore his point the room had a handful of journalists as well as the campaign manager who happens to be a guy who i always respected even though he's a left-wing lunatic but he was so honest dennis kuchinik who's the campaign manager for RFK Jr., he was stunned. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know if the guy was farting at Hayden Guest or if he was farting at global warming. <laughs> um, it's crazy. It's crazy what goes on. This is politics 2023. And, and, and sadly, and somewhat inexplicably, another guest brought things back to climate change, which led to another round of yelling. Now, these two guys that were duking it out verbally, they've known each other for 30 years. And when he was asked to comment about his outburst, he said, I apologize for using, using my flatulence as a medium of public commentary in your presence. And he asked to be referred to as the gallivanting boulevardier or a beer-fueled sex rocket. By the way, he picked up the tab for the evening. He was the host, and he was unapologetic about his views, saying he has zero tolerance for the climate hoax scam nonsense in any venue that I'm personally funding. He has a rather colorful history, I'll tell you that. But boy, oh boy, I'm telling you, this is where politics is. When I was a kid, 
I would, you know, look at the um, representatives and the senators and governors and people like that with such, um, I wouldn't say I was awed by them. I knew that, they, you know, it was a government by the people, for the people. I thought they were, you know, representatives who had been chosen by the people and should be, uh, you know, given respect as long as they behaved in a manner that deserved respect. But I can't even imagine the things that go on today. Had they attempted to do these things when I was, uh, you know, in my younger years, my teenage years even, it would not have been well received. You know, uh, using the Department of Justice to go after one side and not the other is an outrageous, outrageous. And that's where we are today. Um, and again, I, I have no idea where we go next, where we go from here. But it doesn't look particularly promising unless we take back the power. And now for all of my, uh, my listeners who are just you know devoted to the governor, and trust me, I think the guy is a great governor. And I apologize at any point if I ever doubted that he would be a great governor, and I did. I doubted it. But he has proven to be one of the most capable and exceptional governors uh, certainly that the state of Florida has ever known and maybe that the whole country has ever known. But he ain't going to be the president, okay? And I just have to tell you that because I'm really tired of fending off your attacks. Um, his campaign is going not just nowhere, it's going south. And now all the people who were like, rah, 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 you know, DeSantis is our hope to get rid of Trump and we got to all support DeSantis... Uh, all the top donors are now not that happy with the way this campaign is going. And they're looking for another candidate. And they're starting to look at Tim Scott, which I think is fascinating. And I'm listening to people, you know, in the donor class say that Tim Scott is, you know, this great, um, uh, you know, I, Tim Scott is a good man. You know, he, he, he's a good man. I don't. I have no problems with Tim Scott. But if anybody out there really thinks that Tim Scott stands a prayer of winning a primary against Donald Trump, you know, you ought to get off that medication, man. It's not good for you. You know, you're delusional. And um, I would, I would be almost ready to say the same thing for DeSantis supporters. You know, I know that you guys thought he had a real good chance of beating Donald Trump, but I think now you can admit that with the exception of uh, a handful of people, that's just not flying around this country. And it's not, I, I said that the problem for Ron DeSantis always was that outside of Florida, he's not liked. I don't mean he's not well-liked. He's not liked at all, you know. People have literally elevated their careers by attacking this guy. And when you bring up his name in New York or California, now granted, you bring up Trump's name there, it's not well received either, but at least um, they can tell you what they don't like about Donald Trump. They can't even tell you what they don't like about Ron DeSantis. Oh, he's against women. Or, you know, they make up stuff because they really don't know who he is other than the few controversial culture war issues that he's weighed in on. You know, and for the most part, they tell you, well, you know, he destroyed the business in Florida because Disney's, you know, struggling. 
and the billionaire businessman, the SD Louder makeup heir, Ronald Louder, he flew to South Carolina this week to meet with Tim Scott. That's very telling, you know, because as far as I can tell, the junior senator from uh, from South Carolina is a long shot, right? Now, I know there's a forum coming up. It's not a debate. For those of you who think that this forum that uh, Tucker Carlson is going to be headlining is a debate, it is not a debate. So Donald Trump being present there, in my opinion, would be okay. But he has uh, apparently opted out. But I looked at the um, solicitation that I received by, via email to attend or pay attention to this, uh, <laughs> this forum. And the first person listed on the banner is, is Tucker Carlson. Not one of the candidates. Not Ron DeSantis, not uh, Nikki Haley, not uh, Tim Scott. No, no. no. The, they're billing it as Tucker Carlson hosting first GOP presidential forum without Trump. Trump won't attend. Tucker Carlson to host GOP presidential primary forum with five candidates. Okay. So which five candidates? Well, some of these five candidates may not make it onto a debate stage. So I'm going to be interested in watching this. But when you have to sell it to the American people because of who's hosting it, because of who the moderator is, that does not speak highly of the candidates, really, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. But like more people will be tuning it into tuning into it to see Tucker Carlson than will be tuning in to see Governor DeSantis or Tim Scott or Nikki Haley or Vivek Ramaswamy um, or who's the other one? Uh, Vice President Mike Pence, who's going to be on this. You know, poor VP Pence, right? Pence, I mean, he's been reduced to like being on a forum with, you know, Nikki Haley. I'm sorry. It's just, just sad really sad. And of course, Chris Christie isn't even included in this because nobody takes him seriously except like his family. All right. Don't forget, coming up at one o'clock today is Dan Bongino. But beginning on Monday, it will actually not be, well, he'll be on at one o'clock, but he'll be starting his show at 12 o'clock when he normally starts his show. And then I'm moving to 3 p.m. So you'll have somebody live in afternoon drive. So that's a beautiful thing. I hope you appreciate it. I do. And then, of course, at 4 o'clock is Ben Shapiro. At 5 o'clock, Matt Walsh. 6 o'clock, WPTV News. And then, of course, all the good guys overnight. And tomorrow morning, hopefully, Bill will be well again. And it'll be uh, Jennifer and Bill and Stephen Diener in the morning show, the South Florida morning show. But for now, I have one segment left. Stay right where you are. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I got listeners who are just smarter than the average bear and spend way too much time 
thinking about things that most of the rest of the world doesn't think about. I got an email from my friend Anthony. He said, you cannot be president unless your first and last name is a maximum of three syllables or your last name is one or two syllables. Check the history since JFK. I know this is remedial, but so are a vast majority of all voters, even the educated ones. Given that, I agree. DeSantis cannot win. Tim Scott can be sold easily. That's kind of funny. Think George Bush, Donald Trump, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Bill Clinton, pretty much. Can't do more than two syllables in the last name. Anyway, uh, just an aside. But I, I, um, I have to tell you, you know, it's not enough that they've gone after the Supreme Court. And today I went after the Supreme Court, okay? Because, you know, these, these people are people. And we should expect, you know, only the highest standard of ethics in the Supreme Court, right? But now they've expanded their, their you know, ire, the left and, and particularly the left media, into the successful litigants of the Supreme Court, right? Like, I'm, I'm glad that my friend Fane Lozman didn't get attacked in this way, but uh, Lori Smith, who's the justices just ruled in favor in a landmark victory for free speech, um, the, the, the attacks against Lori Smith are unbelievable. She's the, the gal who runs a firm that designs websites but who conscientiously objected to same-sex marriage. So the state of Colorado claimed accommodation laws compelled her to design sites celebrating gay weddings if she creates sites celebrating any other kind of weddings. And on June 29th, the day before the ruling, the New Republic published a piece with a nefarious-sounding headline, The Mysterious Case of the Fake Gay Marriage Website, The Real Straight Man and the Supreme Court. And, you know, some guy uh, was contacted by the writer of this column, and he said that, uh, you know, that, that he didn't really exist. I don't know. It's a, it's a whole, you know, the media pounced on some nonsense about how he's married to a woman and he didn't really ask for a gay website. But guess what? You know, it's undisputed, and electronic records confirm that Ms. Smith received a request from a third party in September of 2016, which was the day after she filed her lawsuit. A party has to have legal standing when he files a case, so it would make no sense to invent such claims the day after the suit began. And though the request appears to have come from a troll, perhaps falsely using his name and number, that doesn't change the fact that Ms. Smith received it. And it also, the position in the case is that there is no website development happening. There's no business operating. Um, however, it was anticipatory. That was the position. Colorado stipulated that its law applied to her business and that she would be subjected to punishment if she followed her beliefs deciding which wedding websites to create. There was no basis for the justices or even the lower appellate courts to question the facts. As for the Supreme Court, and the way they explained it, the state could have avoided the case by disavowing enforcement, but it never did that. So there was a real dispute. She filed a pre-enforcement lawsuit, which is a legal challenge people bring before they're punished by the government. And those suits have been staples of civil liberties litigation for over 100 years. Uh, Richard Steffel, who wished to distribute handbills protesting American involvement in the Vietnam War on a sidewalk in uh, DeKalb, Georgia, well, Georgia's criminal trespass law prevented him from doing so, and he sued. 
The state complained that the suit was improper because he had never been charged, but the court, Justice William Brennan, wrote for the court, it's not necessary that the petitioner first expose himself to actual arrest or prosecution to be entitled to challenge a statute that he claims deters the exercise of his constitutional rights. So to have standing, Ms. Smith simply had to show that she faced a credible threat of enforcement. And guess what? All she had to do was point to the pursuit of Masterpiece Cake Shop, Jack Phillips, even after the high court ruled in his favor, they kept coming after him in the state. So sorry, left-wing media, you're not going to win this one. You know, it, it, the case was decided on the Constitution, not on your whims and your fancies. Thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, for the very last time at noon, because then I move to 3 p.m. on Monday. If it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Thank you. God bless you. And most importantly, God bless the United States of America. We need you, Lord. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.